feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Oh, those Russians. <clears throat> Man, did you see the uh, a missed opportunity? We're, let's just start right away. Uh, we're reviewing Matthew Vaughn's The King's Man, uh, a prequel to uh, the Kingsman movies, uh, the origins of the Secret Service, of this Secret Service, um, starring uh, Ray Fiennes, Gemma Arterton, uh, Reese Fonz, also having a pretty good week. Um, we talked about Willem Dafoe having a good week. Um, we don't know how well this movie uh, did or did not. Um, Matthew Good, Tom Hollander, Harris Dickinson, uh, Daniel Bruhl, Jaiman Hansu, uh, uh, Charles Dance, and more. Uh, I will just start. Missed opportunity. How you don't have Boney M's Rasputin in this movie, I'll just spoil that for everyone, is a travesty. And right. I like this movie, and I like the Kingsman franchise. But Eric, did you see on YouTube they posted – uh, a Rasputin like supercut from the movie, and it's two Boney M's Rasputin. Nice. And I was just like, Why wasn't that in the film? I'm like, that's fantastic. And I, I get they went with like a you know a classic like Russian ballet song. Is that like a, yeah? A, but but at like the same a, time, like you look at what this movie is, it's it's historical fiction in the same way that Inglorious Bastards is. So why not kind of embrace? you know, modern music and be a little bit on the nose and kind of mm. like go full camp. And I mean, uh, even Risa, if it was like a classical version of it or something yeah. like that. But. And Risa Fons's Rasputin is just truly a highlight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a scene in this movie with him licking Ray Fiennes's uh, leg wound that felt almost like it was out of a, out of David Cronenberg's crash. Yeah. Uh, it was so gross and weird. And I was kind of like, you know what? Good for this movie for kind of, doing its own thing <laughs> right and i think like that's what is going to be interesting about the reception of the movie because you know it is an origin film to the kingsman movies i think the kingsman movies uh absolutely over the top uh spy movies but what i liked about this takes place in world war one um kind of tones down some of the more juvenile elements i think of the kingsman franchise um, but then I think maybe that is maybe what makes the Kingsman, the Kingsman and why people like the franchise. I mean, I like all three movies in this franchise, including this one, which we'll get into, uh, all for different reasons. I think the first one ultimately, uh, being my favorite, the second one having some problematic elements, but still being kind of fun. I think the villains are kind of some of the highlights of all, all three of these movies, um, but this one taking place in World War One, showing you the origins that I feel like it doesn't necessarily even tie into the other two movies all that much other than being like, this is how it came together. Like you don't have a lot of the crazy tech, uh, but you st still do see nods at it. You get why they all kind of go by um you know uh, merlin and 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 uh the knights of the round the, table yeah the knights of the round table and things like that like i like the little nods to the origins of the franchise but i feel like it is very much its own movie um and doesn't you know uh, hold on to too much of that of being like it's completely tied into all of the events of the first two movies like we need every character to tie into one another or anything like that i feel like the movie doesn't necessarily need to do that and i think that's a good thing um but I still thoroughly had like a really, really good time. I am a huge fan of this franchise. And like I like kind of going back to a different time period. We were just talking right before we started that Matthew Vaughn is actually quite good at that of, of X-Men First Class, I think, being 
probably my second favorite X-Men movie after Logan, but um, I think he is very good at a, a period piece like that. But I feel like it still has all the elements that made the Kingsman movies like zany and ridiculous. It's They're just like a little more toned down and, and maybe taken a little bit more serious. But another thing what I love about this franchise too is that like being an original property, even though it's taking a lot from spot, the spy genre and James Bond and, and things like that, that I feel like because it's an original thing, R-rated, like you can be genuinely surprising in moments. And like, I, I feel like all three movies have at least one of those moments that are to me like unexpected. And I'm like, Oh shit, it went in a direction that I wasn't. And this has a couple of them in the, in this movie and for better or for worse in certain things. But, um, I don't know. I had a real like, sorry, we didn't even go into the synopsis or anything. Well, I think I you kind of summed it, it yeah. up already. It's, it's, it's an action adventure that takes place during world war one. And at the core of it, you have, um, a father and son storyline. Uh, Ray Fiennes plays, um, an entitled sort of nobleman, um, of the, of the, uh, Oxford, uh, estate and his son, um, Conrad, who's played by uh, Harris Dickinson, wants to enlist uh, and 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 join uh, uh, the the British troops and do his part and is kind of looked upon by the rest of, you know, the, the, the world around him in society as a coward, even though you don't really see much interaction with like the outside world it's really just kind of like insular to well his dad's almost overprotective too right because the right. opening of, of the movie his mother dies right and, and she think... makes ray fines promise her to take care of him from the horrors and atrocities of the world because you also see that like you know they're um philanthropists and and humanitarians and sort of helping with the red cross and things like that and sort of how that overprotective nature even though finds his character you know is kind of one of the first people to kind of be a part of this whole sort of system of spies as we kind of learn um i I think overall like it's it's no better or worse than any of the other um kingsman movies with the exception of it's it's a little less juvenile than you know the original source material of, of mark millar and i think when the further you get away from adapting the source material and just doing a straight sort of spy movie i think that kind of helps even though there is one small thing that i do think is a little bit icky and that involves um one of the characters um uh the kaiser specifically how um his his hand is cgi'd and i think that like that specifically is a little bit like icky in terms Treating of disability with, yeah 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 totally. like in the same way that's like Chris Elliott and scary movie too. It, it comes off a little bit insensitive mm-hmm. and juvenile. And like, there's this close up and this framing of it. And that's almost even like if a- at the time they would treat this character that way because of yeah. that, it's still used in a way that's maybe not the best. And I agree with that, but yeah, it takes this it, franchise it, all has each movie has one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> it, to um, varying degrees of you probably didn't need that. Exactly. But CGI goats are fun. Uh, <laughs> the movie's but, but fun, man. Basically, uh, if you love, like the Bond movies or anything that's kind of adjacent to those films. We'll be talking about another movie that we despised that I watched uh, on the same day. And they're both of the spy genre and the way one handles 
action sequences and just playing up the tropes of the genre in a fun way versus one taking it so seriously is, is astonishing. Yeah, I don't think that the Kingsman or the Kingsman movies are as stylish as like Danger Diabolique, but they do kind of feel like they are taking sort of a cue from those movies as well. And just, again, the kind of playfulness within the spy genre, like even something like Austin powers, like you can tell, like there's like, it's like Kingsman is in the middle of, of oh, James yes. Bond. And it's Austin like a powers. serious Austin powers movie. Yeah. That's exactly what the Kingsman movies are. Like, I feel like it's doing similar thing. That's a great comparison, Eric. Cause I feel like it is. Well, doing... they all are in the same genre, right? Like yeah. it's, it's like, okay, you have the bond movies at the top. And then you have the Kingsman movies, which are kind of irreverent, but and they're still... satirical, but not. It's still taking itself seriously, but and then you have the third tier, which is Austin, Austin Powers, Powers, which is, is completely yeah. comedic, but still paying homage to the spy movies, yeah. specifically Ian Fleming stuff. I think all three very great. <laughs> like I just, I love, I love all of that. And then you have groovy. that other movie we're talking about, which is just derivative and and just you know um, uninspired. Where. Um, yeah. I think uh, Reese Fons as as Rasputin is the highlight of the movie. Um, I think the villains in all of these movies, with Sam Jackson in the first one, and um, um, oh my god, why am I Julianne Moore? Name? Julianne Moore in the second one, um, just hamming it up completely. All three of those people, and like in that kind of you know eccentric James Bond esque villain or Doctor Evil villain who's based off of James Bond. It all goes back to yeah, Blofeld, right? right? Like the Donald yeah. Pleasance version of it. Yeah, and like it all goes back to that and i feel like this movie just embraces that and i think that's where you do get kind of the zany elements of those first two movies in this even though it is kind of toned down but the rasputin character is so over the top that it's just like and i i was cracking up every time he was on screen and every time he delivered a line of dialogue like it was so ridiculous he might as well have been that rasputin from anastasia Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's it's cartoony. All three of these movies are cartoony in an, in an adult cartoon kind of way. Um, and I think Vaughn is so good at shooting action that I just like I find every action sequence to be engaging and stylistic and kind of fun to watch. And like you said, it involves elements that are stupid and ridiculous like goats and like other things that bring it almost down to that juvenile level. Um, but I feel like you know, the movies do all three of them do a pretty okay job at like balancing on that juvenile line. And I think the second one is the one that kind of goes maybe too far. But um yeah, I just the cast is great. I think Ray Fines is like uh being like an action lead is, is awesome and continuing kind of that trend of like older guys being like a lead in an action movie. Like I think Ray Fines kicks so much ass. And I mean, talking about Bond, like there's a guy who was just in the last couple Bond movies and now is M, yeah. He's basically Bond in this for the most part. And like um, the relationship between him and his son, I think is good. That overprotective nature, the commentary on, on war. Um, I think it gets tricky when you involve real life events. And this is something that we've talked about that, you know, I mean, Tarantino's done it. It's, it's shown in, in different movies in different ways, but when you take this stylized cartoony kind of heightened revisionist history kind of thing, it's just like, um, it it can be icky at times, but you almost kind of like they commit so hard to going, this isn't what actually happened, that you're almost okay with them playing with it. And especially like in a post-credit sequence where I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's where we're going. I, it's like, these are supposed to be fun, cartoony movies. I know it's, you're involving real life assassinations and real life events now. And I think that's, what's interesting comparing it to the original franchise, which were, you know, ridiculous modern day, you know, it's not based on real life essentially right no like you're taking you're movies. taking real hit like like and yeah with this you're taking historical figures yeah. like you know the archduke ferdinand and, and yeah and, and 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 president wilson and things like that and like the way it portrays uh americans specifically yeah. is 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 very funny but it's also humorous because you have british actors playing americans um yeah. for the most part um and, and then yeah like when you're watching this i mean like obviously i think you can make some criticisms that matthew vaughn kind of goes back to certain style choices that he's made throughout this series oh, so yeah, far and it's very well, derivative sure. where yeah. it's like the single take but also how he's incorporated kind of video game-esque perspectives in certain scenes like the first person perspective and this i like like the sword fights and things like that that feel at least they're shot very similar but like yeah and then also like you have um moments that are very kind of outlandish and comedic that we've already talked about with Rasputin specifically. I wish he was in more of the movie. Yeah, I was I hoping that he was going to be the main villain. And it's kind of like, I think the movie does take a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of time to recover after that because it's so much fun. That sequence um, his little then, jump when he's dancing is. Oh yeah. Great. Yeah. Or, I mean, well, just, just his delivery like... of like what he's <laughs> interested in and like what makes, what satisfies him is, it's very funny. Um, Risa Fons is one of those guys that like um, the first time I remember kind of seeing him in a movie was, was Notting Hill and he plays mm-hmm. Hugh Grant's roommate and he was the best thing in that movie. Um, and he's always kind of underrated and, and kind of weird and off putting, but captivating to watch. And like, he kind of perfectly fits as this, version of Rasputin um I also think that like again this is an embarrassment of riches when it comes to this cast and the people that have been used throughout this entire franchise um it's always fun um to see how the backdrops are used in particular sequences I love how uh big wheels of cheese are used in one <laughs> yeah. moment that kind the of villain's lair payoff. the villain's lair is such like a spy thing but the way yeah. that it's portrayed here is so just such a funny visual to me of being like a barn but it's a, like a secret <laughs> lair on the top of like a mountaintop it's so funny and then also like even this one amazing sequence that's sort of a a, a nomad land um yeah uh, sort of fighting in the trenches scene that I think actually even rivals some suspense in 1917 and how it's kind of executed in the, in, in the action uh, works really well. Um, and again, like it's something that the way that it shot is similar to some of the other Kingsman movies, but the way and how the choreography kind of works and going back to almost like a ballet, it's, it's, it's dance like and sort of how it's performed and how, you know, sound is used in that scene i think in particular is really fascinating i absolutely agree and i think that's where kind of the creative nature of this franchise comes in and that you're using the time period really really well it's because you're trying to go okay well we've done two of these in you know modern time like what can we do that is 
you know, in that period, unique and special and creative. And I feel like they do that time and time again. And yeah, the Rasputin fight and, you know, the the firefight at the end and stuff feels a lot like the other Kingsman movies. But like, I feel like that sequence in the trenches in, in the war, I think is really interesting of them having to like, have this silent fight and how that all ends up is like it almost reminded me of the remember the other guys the funeral scene after dwayne johnson and samuel jackson (laughs) die kill you yeah they're like having like a silent fight they're like rolling on the ground and they have to whisper guys guys silent fight (laughs) you want to come in here and you want to (laughs) keaton is amazing in that um going back to this yeah i i do i was reminded of that um but yeah an embarrassment of, of riches when it comes to the cast like um I, I love the ensemble at the end i think Gemma arterton is is really Gemma great arterton. Gemma, i think that cineplex ad all the time of that play she was in and i worked there at that time where they're like Gemma arterton in king whatever she was in um I just think everyone's having like a lot of fun and like they just, it's so over the top. Uh, I think Daniel Bruhl uh, was a little underused, but then I kind of saw where they were going with that. And I was like, Oh, okay. I get why he was in this and and what it's setting up kind of thing. But um, uh, again, very over the top ham fisted cliche kind of everyone like, again, it it's, borderline of austin powers and james bond right and like it's it's satire but it there's is no still, penis pump in this one no no unfortunately not but um i do like that it, it balances that line and that i'm laughing and i'm entertained by the action um i just really like this series that it's just to me and there are moments where i'm like oh fuck like you you kind of alluded to one thing that is maybe leans more on the negative side because we wanted more of a character uh, than what we got but then i think that that happens a couple times and maybe it's just now you go oh well that's like a staple of the kingsman movies is like they have to do this one thing to surprise you or whatever um that you weren't expecting because you know there's no attachment to certain characters or anything like that um but it gets me each time like there was a moment i had to rewind in this movie because i'm like wait what <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, fuck. I was not expecting that at all. And then where the movie goes, I think is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I mentioned the like the villain and them at this barn on the top of the mountain having these meetings. And I like that you, you again, you think one person's the villain, but it's ultimately this other character. I mean, they show you right away this other character, but like, um, again, classic kind of spy, you know, inspector gadget kind of stuff too of like, uh, again, which is all just going back to Blofeld and Bond and things like that too. But like the guy in the shadows where the whole movie he's shot and you only see his hands and his body and you don't see his face. And like, it's just, it's everything is at, even though this movie is probably at an 11 where all the other movies were probably at like a 15 or a 14. Um, I still think that's why maybe some people will be like, ah, it's not as crazy or it's a little bit too grounded or serious compared to the other movies and maybe that makes it not as fun but like or self-contained because um, there's not a lot of yeah. easter eggs and stuff no. that's referencing the future films because they can't yeah and that's one thing i kind of liked about it though because i feel like too many prequels um for one you kind of know where it's going to end up if you include a lot of characters that you already know right and then two um throwing in all these easter eggs where everything has to be connected like han solo's 
you know, like Solo being a big example of that recently. I mean, I guess the Star Wars prequels in general. Well, even the many um, saints of Newark, right? Like, yeah. Like the Sopranos like where needed- like the frame, like I was thinking going into this, that there was going to be a framing device with Colin Firth talking to Taron Egerton about mm-hmm. the history of it. And that's kind of what it would it was jump his into. grandfather or something like, yeah, Eggsy, you were always like some reveal of that. Everything's connected or um, like, again, there's one character in this movie that I thought was going to be care connected to another character from Kingsman. And I think that's what they want you to think because I really do feel like he sounds a lot like another actor from the, uh, from the first two movies. And I was like, huh, are they going to make those two characters connected? But then the, the person that I think they're referring to is either a bad guy and then, you know, or his family was bad people and he became good. And maybe that's still going to be part of that. I don't know. But like, um, I thought that was interesting because it kept me guessing the whole time. And there's one person who sort of leaves the movie and comes back that I I was like, oh, shit, OK, I wasn't I don't know if that's great, but like I wasn't expecting it when it happened. I don't know if I was like overly satisfied of like who it ended up being or whatever, but it's the um, same thing. It's it, 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 they kind of did the same thing with like Wonder Woman where like you hire a certain character actor or somebody that, you know, and then they introduce them in one moment and then you think like, okay, yeah. well, they'll come back in some capacity and, yeah. or there'll be some reveal. And that's usually the state of those, uh, of those movies where it is kind of predictable there. And then, on top of that as well, you know, you think of how the movie is kind of handling, um, you know, Britain's place in the world. And it does kind of talk a little bit about, or it is critical in talking about colonialism and how um, England specifically, you know, sacrificed its youth for, um, mm. you know, the war efforts. And, you know, you were left with, nothing because you didn't have you know the next generation growing up because they were gone yeah and i think that that's kind of interesting as well yeah absolutely and unexpected that it goes to those places i think um and then it obviously sets it up as like a split franchise now of like they introduce some characters that obviously seem like they're going to come back in further movies if it's successful and things like that but i'd be totally down with you know obviously vaughn liked that with the X-Men movies and he stayed on as a producer for a lot of them, but right. Or how many did he direct? I forget just first class for, yeah, he was, so he was originally going to direct, um, X-Men three. And then he kind of like last minute, I think it was something family related because after layer cake, everybody wanted to work with him studio wise. So Mm -hmm. he was going to do X-Men three, that fell through and then Brett Ratner took over and then that's the movie you got. Um, and then he was going to do Thor as well. Thor was the right. other film that he was going to make. And then that fell through for another reason. So he finally and, did first class. Yeah. And he, yeah, he finally got there. So he's done, you know, the X-Men movies. He obviously has the relation the one X-Men film. He has the relationship with Mark Millar doing the kick-ass, uh, the first mm-hmm. movie there. Um, He's working on Argyle right now, which actually kind of just sounds like the Kingsman, but with probably a, a budget that's over a hundred million dollars because it's being produced by Apple TV plus. Um, it is really interesting with him because he started out as a producer for um, Guy Ritchie and kind of made the best version of a Guy Ritchie with layer. And cake. they had and a then, production studio together, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he goes off and kind of tries to, figure his way through the studio system but didn't really quite 
succeed with Stardust and Kick-Ass and then X-Men First Class did well, but, you know, it maybe it didn't do as well as the ones to follow or the ones before, but it was kind of like a real, to your point, like a really great 60s period piece. Um, and then he had Kingsman and, and Kingsman has kind of been his bread and butter for, I mean, almost like, it seems almost like a decade now, you know, like, and like, he's also working with like um, Dexter Fletcher as, as a producer, producing Eddie the Eagle and working on Rocket Man with him. So, you know, he's, he's, he's all over the place in terms yeah. of what he's doing. I'm definitely intrigued by Argyle because it does seem like a more serious, like Kingsman movie, but like um, this Little quip I just read was saying Vaughn described the film as his ode to 1980s action thrillers like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. And I was like, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> like, can't go wrong. That's all you need and to say. And it's got an international cast. Yeah, too, Henry right? Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, Sam Jackson, Dua Lipa, Adriana DeBose, uh, Rob Delaney. Um, yeah, I'm all in. I like Vaughn. Like again, and I, I again his Mark Millar stuff. Like again, I I like the first Kickass movie. I think the second one he only produced and directed, yeah. but uh, is just the worst. <laughs> is the yeah. worst. Both Sean Toronto two. though. Yeah, Kickass two sucks. Eddie the Eagle's great too. Like Rocket Man's great. The stuff that he's produced and had a partnership with. Um, uh, you know, he seems to really like Taron Egerton. But yeah, man, I had a blast with this. Uh, again, I I do think maybe people expecting. It is more of the same, but it is toned down. But like, I well, like you said grounded, it, right? Yeah, it is a little bit more grounded, and like, I think that's fine. And you mentioned, like, I do think that there are enough little Easter eggs there. Whether it's like I said, how they come up with the naming structure of everyone, or you know, um, the you see the one the knife in the in the boot kind of thing, which is a prominent like little spy thing from the other movies where which is also kinda, a big thing in James Bond. Yes, where, yeah. In, so in from Russia with love, exactly. So, so you kind of get how the origins of that and little things with the, the weaponry and and the tech and stuff like that. Like I, I just don't think it need. It, I'm glad it didn't go super far with that because that stuff always kind of becomes a little eye rolly of like, why does everything have to connect? And it's so far back before the first two movies that I'm like, I don't know. I guess the closer you get to it, if they keep making these, right? And it seems like much like X-Men going a decade further, it seems like their plan here is to go, what big event starting with World War One, big world event can we go to next? Which... I won't spoil it, but it's pretty obvious. Um, and then, um, and then what they would go after that. And like, maybe they even, again, they, I think you'd start to retread some of the stuff they went over in the X-Men movies, especially with first class taking place in the sixties. Right. Yeah. The, but you can focus it more crisis, on, on Europe like, though. Yeah. Right. And yeah, exactly. that's kind of where like, you can get into like the stuff with Margaret Thatcher and the Balkan yeah. islands and stuff yeah. like that in the 1980s or yeah. From the more British perspective where with X-Men, like it is a, a, an American centric storyline. So you had like, yeah, the missile crisis and things like that. So um, yeah, I would be totally down for that. Like I, I enjoyed this enough where you give me, you know, an over the top kind of uh, villain fictional history kind of thing. Like uh, I'm, I'm totally down. I, I had a lot of fun with this. I think, Greasy Fawn steals the show. I think Ray Fiennes is great. Harris Dickinson's great. Uh, Jaiman Hansu we didn't really mention, but I like that kind of trio of them at the end with Gemma Arterton and and uh, and stuff like that. And you know, you have other people showing up. Aaron Taylor Johnson, which reteaming with Vaughn after Kickass uh, in a little cameo role. I don't think that's a spoiler. Um, I wasn't sure if he if people knew he was in the movie. I did not. <laughs> 
I didn't. Um, There's another guy I didn't know that was in the movie either, who it's kind of funny because he was in the Transformers franchise yeah. <laughs> playing Merlin. And Doesn't play Merlin here. Mer- no, but he plays one of the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, which I think is funny. Uh, I like the movie a lot. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Not perfect. I don't think this franchise is perfect. I, I understand why it doesn't work for people. Um, but I've thoroughly enjoyed... I just find these like incredibly watchable movies. Like I could put on any of the Kingsman movies and the first one, especially like whenever I see it pop up or um, I'll randomly like put it on and I just watch the whole thing. Like I just find that they fly by and that I'm like thoroughly entertained by them. Do I think they're great movies? No, but like I think they're enjoyable ones and then that's why I really like them. So four out of five for me. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three out of five. I'm I'm one of those people that I think it's it's a perfectly entertaining, enjoyable watch, but it's also one of those movies that's kind of disposable where like after having watched the movie, I haven't retained that much other than sure. Rasputin and, you know, the father son dynamic. And I feel that way with all of the, the Kingsman movies where it's just like, OK, am I remembering the Kingsman stuff or is that am I just remembering um, the bond stuff and and again they're to your point i think they're very easy watches they're not too demanding they're fun um they are you know in the before times were fun to watch in a theater um mm-hmm. yeah. and i do like some of the music choices uh yeah i just it's one of those series it's just like i i'm not completely in love with but at the same time when a new one comes out i'm like yeah i'll watch yeah, it I'll watch it you're fine and i i don't disagree with you there and like uh i just i think i'm a little higher on them as a whole that like i i, I but i going back to your point i don't think it's necessarily something where i'm like i cannot wait for the next kingsman movie like it's yeah. like when when's one, it coming when one comes out i'm like oh shit cool another kingsman movie like i'm i'll watch the shit out of that yeah for sure but it's yeah. not like something i'm like fuck i can't wait when are we getting the king's man two or like anything like that like if they came ever <laughs> when am i gonna like, get more rasputin licking ray finds and again i think i had to take one point off because they don't use boney m's rasputin it would have been a perfect movie <laughs> if they would have used that in that fight scene like and i've been saying that since i saw the trailer what seems like 11 years ago um it just, I just seems like like it's obvious, but at the same time, is it too obvious? But then I'm like, this franchise. No, but just this like, movie is too odd. Like, yeah. you, you you should embrace it as like as they have it is. the Elton just, John song playing as Elton John's fighting people. Like, yeah. come on, like just or Leonard Skinner in a in, yeah. you know in a in a Southern Baptist yeah, church. church. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I might as well. I absolutely think they and then to use it in marketing just a spit in my face <laughs> just where I'm like, come on, put that in the movie. I love that song either way, but like, I just, it's ridiculous too. But uh, anyways, thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope you guys, what was the it. other Bonnie, uh, Bonnie M song that's Daddy used in cool. Patty, Dad, in, in Paddington cool. too. Yeah. That would have been funny that's to great. use that. Yeah. In, in, in that Kingsman. is such a good moment. And Paddington two is playing at Cinesphere in the new year. And I'm like, I might have to go. <laughs> I might have to yeah. go. Uh, missing Paddington 2 and IMAX, um, at least on an IMAX screen. Um, but yeah, I think like I- I've seen people who are fans of this franchise not like this movie. I've seen people who weren't fans of this franchise really enjoy this movie. So it'll be like interesting. Like I've seen people be like, oh, this is the first Kingsman movie I really liked. And then I've had people being like, ah, it's not as fun as the other movies. So I'm like, 
I don't know where people will land on this and I'm really kind of uh, curious, but like I personally I've, I've enjoyed all three. I think I would put this above Kingsman two because there's just some stuff in that, that I, uh, that I just really don't like. So yeah. Um, uh, let us know what you think, whether it's in the comments on YouTube, which we've opened back up. Would you have a um, cup of tea with the Kingsman or would you send it back? Um, thank you all for listening. We have tons of other reviews we would love for you guys to check out right now. Uh, as you're listening to this, you can check out our reviews for Nightmare Alley, Red Rocket, uh, and Licorice Pizza. So tons of new stuff out for you guys. But then we'll also have reviews for Being the Ricardos, uh, Benedetta, The Tragedy of Macbeth, The Lost Daughter, uh, The Matrix Resurrections, The Tender Bar, and Serrano. Um <laughs> very very soon so um you're in the right spot untitled movie reviews you can search for that on youtube if you want the video version or untitled movie podcast you'll find everywhere we are um one-stop shop um over on letterbox which is untitled underscore movies and the one thing i should have plugged on all of these other reviews we did which we never did is our spider-man content (laughs) so the biggest movie uh one of the biggest movies of all time released this weekend so uh, if you saw it, which it seems like a lot of people did, you should check out our spoiler cast. It's three hours of Eric and I talking. It's um, longer than the movie. I was mad, Eric. I love the guys over at kind of funny, but theirs was four minutes longer than ours. <laughs> I was like, you bastards. You did two minutes and 52 seconds or two hours and 52 minutes. We did two forty-eight. Um, I love those guys. Go listen to theirs too. I listened to theirs the other day. It was great. Um, so I've listened and talked about Spider-Man for like six hours in the last couple days. Um, we also have a spoiler free review of Spider-Man, uh, that you guys can go check out, which is 45 minutes, uh, pretty completely spoiler free. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, which you probably have, if you're listening to this at least once, um, yeah, I've seen it twice. Did you end up seeing it a second time yet or no? No, I haven't, but I know that the guys over at the movie podcast, I think saw it like three or four times. Like I think Daniel saw it like twice, twice in IMAX with different people. I think the same Friday night, I almost went, but. I almost went again. I really do want to see it in IMAX because like Scotiabank IMAX is playing it until um, Matrix comes out. So it's only in that theater for a week or so. I mean, with everything going on right now, though, it's kind of weird. I might do like an 11 a.m. showing tomorrow because I feel like a Monday morning might be less busy. And right. I, or a late, late screening even like yeah. something that's like at like like the last screening of the night where even then I find those usually are more busy in Toronto than like a midday when people are working and stuff for the Durham region though. It's usually the opposite. Like everything is dead after like seven. Cause I want to go, we're talking about Spider-Man now, but um, I think my mom likes the Kingsman movies too, but I want to take my mom to see Spider-Man cause she's a huge MCU person, but she hasn't gone out to uh, see it yet. Anyways, also uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to be playing Craven. There we go. It's all tied together, Eric. Um, as always, my name is... Did I already do this? I don't know. Matt don't Rohrbeck, know. at Matt Rohrbeck, all social media platforms. Uh, I'm Eric Martin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Manners maketh the man.